Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast. I'm Cody. And I'm Brooke. And hey, Cody, I actually have some good news and some bad news for you. What? Okay, give me the bad news first. All right. Well, the bad news is, is that during the interview for this week's episode, I'm actually going to be on a plane heading to our India office, so I can't join you. What? No. (laughs) Well, okay. So what is the good news then? Okay. Well, the good news is I found you the most amazing co-host to join you. It's our very own planner extraordinaire, Rachel Andrews, and she'll be filling in for me this week. Rachel is the director of meetings and events at Cvent, as you know, and is an expert on planning and executing the biggest, baddest, techiest, if that's a word, and innovative events. And I'm just so excited for you to team up on this interview this week. Yes. I love Rachel. This is the best news, actually. The listeners are going to love her. I seriously already have FOMO. Oh, we know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, as you know, we are coming to you from this event podcast studio in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. And as always, you can read more about today's episode on the Cvent blog at cvent.com slash podcast. And we love hearing from you. So email us at podcast at cvent.com. And today's episode is going to be focused on International Women's Day, which, if you don't know, is March 8th. We wanted to include a powerhouse woman who could speak to elevating women in the industry, which is why this week we have Annette Gregg joining us. She's the Senior Vice President of Experience at Meeting Professionals International, and her mantra in life is helping people live more authentic, inspired, and successful lives. All right. Well, here is Rachel's and my conversation with Annette. All right, Annette, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah, before I get started, I just want to introduce um, our guest podcast host today. We have Rachel Andrews on the phone. Hi there. How are you doing? Hey, good, Rachel. So before we get started, Rachel, uh, do you just want to give us a little bit of uh, an idea of uh, what you do for Cvent? Of course. So I'm very excited to be here today. Um, I'm Rachel Andrews. I'm the director of events uh, globally for Cvent. Uh, I oversee about 1,200 events a year, uh, including our favorite user conference, Cvent Connect, with my team of about 40. I'm a diehard, avid podcast listener and a huge fan of the industry. So I feel like I'm living my best life here, filling in for the podcast queen, Brooke. But I'm very <laughs> excited to be here today. I love it. And I've worked with Rachel for a while now. I've been with her to Cvent Connect. I've been with her to our London Connect. Rachel is awesome, and she is perfect for this podcast. Um, so I want to bring it back over to Annette, though. Um, so Annette, I just want to dive right in here. Now, how did you first get into the events industry? Well, not uh, unlike many people's stories, it was kind of happenstance. So I was working, I was a poli-sci major, actually, at the University of California at Berkeley and thought I wanted to be a politician and save the world. And I was living for uh, in D.C., working for a congressman and a friend of mine said, hey, you want to uh, come over and sell exhibit space? And I said, what are you talking about? (laughs) Sell an exhibit space. And he actually worked for a trade association. My first job in the industry was with the Food Marketing Institute. It was a 36,000 person trade show. And I sold exhibit booths for that trade show. And um, 1,200 exhibitors, such a great way to cut my teeth in the industry. I love trade association work. And and, uh, that actually got me traveling, of course, in what, 20 23-year-old doesn't love to travel, so did a whole bunch of traveling with FMI as well. But 
really my journey uh, has has been uh, pretty varied in the industry. I mean, I've had jobs uh, on the associ- couple associations. Of course, I'll, I'll end with the one I'm with now, but um, I've worked as a corporate planner. Uh, I've worked in the nonprofit sector. And then I really jumped back and forth between planner and supplier too, which I think has been really great for just my learning. But my current role and my favorite role yet, I have to say, is a senior vice president of experience for meeting professionals international. And MPI has been my professional home since 1996. And so it's really fun to work for the association that I've, I've been a member of. And I was on the board for the last five or six years. So I just have a, a deep passion and respect for MPI and what it's uh, done for me personally and what it does for so many people in our industry. And so my current role, I oversee three divisions, which um, one is the, the education through the MPI Academy. Um, the next one is the events team. And the third division is what we call member or community engagement, but it's all of our chapters and our larger communities and uh, vertical special interest groups. So keeps me busy, but again, it's just a joy to work for the association. It's been a ball. Wow. That's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of divisions to manage and a lot under the, the title. I was going to ask, you know, VP of experience sounds like such a fun title. And, you know, it's great that you could give back to an events industry that's kind of given you so much. And I feel like kindred spirits in that. What kind of inspires you daily? What inspires you in the events industry? Well, the longer I'm in this industry, the more I see the the bigger picture of the true, true value of getting together live. You know, I mean, I think that when you think about people and communities and dynamic um, relationships, I mean, the best things are done when we are face to face with each other and we can really bond as humans. And, you know, our our society can be pretty polarized when it comes around politics or um, even, you know, country lines and divisions and countries wanting to exit, uh, you know, from other alliances. And I feel like with all that polar polarization that we can feel and, and really as much as we're all working remote now and working behind screens and we have these large, huge social communities, but they're really all virtual versus, uh, you know, social in, in social media. But I, so I feel like it even now, even more now uh, is the need to get together live and really break down those walls just as humans. I think that, you know, that's the kind of bigger picture driving force that keeps me in this industry is that I really just believe in the power of getting together. Yeah, I do too. I know that um, I love having the ability to have, you know, virtual meetings. It makes a difference really, but those face-to-face interactions are really what the, mo- the most valuable part really of, of any kind of uh, um, interaction in the events industry. I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been saying for years, the power of live events, it's just nothing really replaces that. Um, and the sense of being together and learning together too, you know, when you're learning on your computer alone, it's very, it's sometimes challenging, but if you have kind of a team around you or, or a community um, supporting you, for sure, live events is the way to go. Absolutely. And the more you know, like about neuroscience and, and how the brain works and how, you know, mind, body and soul is all really connected, you see how, why that makes more sense. You know, the brain ignites differently uh, when you have these different kind of interfaces. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's backed by science in so many ways. Yeah, I think about just like body language and other things that you really don't pick up on when you're just having like a conference call. So, but you know, and I was digging around a little bit and I saw that your mission in life is helping people live more authentic, inspired, and successful lives. I don't know, how did you land on that? Oh, I love that you found that. Um, so I had an interesting 
pivot in my career. And I really, really became interested in women's issues and, and just helping elevate specifically women in the workplace, but really all people. Um, and that was when I got laid off. So about eight years ago, uh, one of my jobs, I was part of a layoff. And it, and I've been part of layoffs before and job reorgs, but this one I just didn't see coming. So it really kind of rattled me. and It made me do a lot more of introspection about, boy, you know, am I am I hitting on all cylinders? Am I having the relationships that I need to have? And part of the outsource package or, or layoff package was this company where you go and um, you get resume training and you get all this, you know, job skills development if you need it and, and they help you find jobs. So I was in the class of a lot of other 40 somethings that were laid off and, and part of this kind of situation, not even in our field, but just across different fields. And it just struck me like everybody was pretty down, you know, and pretty off their game. And I thought, boy, these are people that have been in the workforce like me for a while and have a pretty good sense of what they have to offer. But because this happened to them, it can knock you off your game. You know, it can really change your paradigm and just how you see yourself. And I thought immediately I went home that night. And I've told this story many times because it was a powerful just decision I made that I'm not ever going to let any professional experience dictate my personal worth. And so I, I, I was thinking about the value of a business card. And when we're, when we're unemployed or when we're in a job situation where we did not of our choosing, you kind of lose that ability to give somebody a card. And that business card has so much weight to it. You know, I'm a net Greg and here's my title and here's what I work for. And, and when you don't have that card anymore, then you immediately feel less than. So I went home that night that I got laid off and I made personal business cards with myself. And this was my tagline on my personal business card because I said, this is how I want to show up in life, no matter where I'm employed. And uh, it just was a reminder to me. It's like a physical manifestation, a reminder to me that, External circumstances don't dictate my inner worth. And it was that time. I mean, I obviously got a job pretty soon. I mean, I kept moving in our industry, but I also started really diving into um, women's work and how we can close the pay gap and how women are perceived in the workplace and how we, what skills do we need to have that are going to put more women in the C-suite. And I did some consulting work actually at the same time I was working full-time, but I did a consulting work for a high-tech company that was losing women programmers left and right and started an initiative, a women's in, an internal women's initiative for this billion-dollar tech company at the same time. So it just got me a lot of learning about unconscious bias and perceptions that we need to overcome for women to continue to grow professionally. God, I really just love what you said. External circumstances do not dictate your inner worth. I think that's a, a huge lesson that everybody can really take. That's so cool. I love I love what you said about business cards too and remembering your personal brands because yes, you do work for a company uh, and you represent that that company as a brand as well, but you should keep in mind your personal brand at all times as well. So that's a that's a really good tip out there for people um making sure that they're dedicating time to that and learning, you know, outside of their jobs or helping their own professional development. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, you know, we always hear this this little phrase, but what do we want on our gravestones? You know, it's not that Annette Gregg was a really hard worker, <laughs> you know, I wanted yeah. to be, you know, that I gave back to the pot of life, to my husband, to my son, you know, that I was a good friend. I mean, that's the stuff we want. But if we're not paying attention to how we're showing up, then we're, we could be missing what we really want our lives to be because we're in there working so hard and thinking that's all that matters. 
So I'm going to go off script a little bit here. I I am very curious to know how do you balance it? You know, you're obviously very successful in in your career as a as a businesswoman, but with this kind of uh, reflection on your, your your personal brand, how do you kind of balance doing an exceptional job both? How do you be you know badass in the business place, but you know also this person that's paying attention to their personal relationships and keeping that in mind when as it relates to business. Well, thank you for asking. And that is one of those questions, right? Like the work-life balance challenge in, in our field, especially, but kind of ties into this other question you and I were talking about too, is there somebody impactful in the events industry that, that influenced me? And I remember one of my early jobs in the industry and the owner of the events uh, meetings company that I worked for at that time, her name is Terry Brining. She's continued to be a dear friend and mentor, but I was starting my family. I was newly married and wanting to have kids and you know, just trying to figure out how do I, I was an early meeting planner. So I was on the road all the time doing a lot of pharma and everything. And she said, Hey, you know, you can have it all, just not all at the same time. And I thought that is a really interesting way to look at it because, you know, when you're fresh out of college or maybe ramping in your career, you're just on, you know, you're, you're going a million miles a minute and you're, you're excited by everything. Everything's exciting. You want to take every opportunity that comes to you and you are building your career, so you feel like you can't really take your foot off the accelerator. And then meanwhile, you know, things could be slipping. Like if you want a relationship, it's really hard to meet somebody when you're traveling, you know, five out of seven days a week or what have you, or if, you, if you're not paying attention to your health or whatever. So I think I, I talk about that quote because it really just helped me to remember that there's not any right answer to there's not, there's not one right answer to how you balance your life and career. And no one is sitting there with a clipboard taking notes on the decisions that you're making, going, wow, I'm surprised she turned down that promotion because she wants to start a family. I would not have done that. You know, that is nobody's business but yours. So I think one, it, it kind of goes back to that bigger question of where are, where are you grounded and what is your worth? You know, if your worth is entirely based on how you're showing up at work and what job titles on your card, then you just won't be balanced. You just won't because you're making choices that are 100% feeding that need in your life and there's not going to be room for other stuff. So I think we just have to have an awareness of where we're pulling our worth from and what kind of, you know, in, in our pie of life, how those slices are even and balanced. And, and sometimes one slice might be bigger because you're ramping your career and one little slice might be whittled down, you know, maybe relationships or family or whatever. And then, you know, is there a way, is that how you always want it to be? And maybe just periodically doing a little bit of a gut check and checking in like, okay, am I as balanced as I want to be? And what, what power and decisions do I have personally to make those slices more even if I feel like something's lacking? Because it is always in our control. That's a really good point. I'd like to, to shift a little bit to kind of the, what you said earlier, empowering women in the industry and you know, perceptions and awareness of your worth and all of that great, great stuff. You know, what do you think the perception of women in uh, the events industry is? And what do you think needs to change, if anything? Wow, such a powerful question. Much, much bigger question than we have time for. But I'll, I'll say we still struggle. So I joined MPI in 1996. Um, one of my, uh, so Terry, again, my boss at the time, she was chairwoman about five years later of MPI. And one of her, her um, mantras at the time was to get women more represented in the C-suite, you know, getting women a seat at the table. And that was probably 2001. So almost 20 years later, 
we still do not have enough representation in the C-suite. And if you look at our industry, it's got to be at least 80% women. But our senior, senior leadership represented at these billion-dollar companies, whether it's hotel chains or, or whatever, is still lacking. And so, so what is that? I think we're still suffering from a couple different things. I think that there is a perception that you know, women are not risk takers and that women are, are more of good kind of project managers, task managers versus strategic. So in our industry, what we're going to suffer from anyway is that if you're a meeting planner, a meeting professional in our industry, it's really hard for people to understand and value the amount of work you're doing because the more seamless and perfect it looks like on the outside, that that is not an that doesn't show how hard you're working to make it look that seamless and perfect on the outside. So therefore the perception from a stakeholder is, Oh, how hard can it be? You get it right. I mean, yeah, you're, you're in it all the time. Like how hard can it be? And that's over there doing it. And she hasn't broken a sweat. And meanwhile, you know, there's no rep, there's no appreciation for how many hours or sleepless nights or whatever. They don't see the internal chaos. They see the smiles. <laughs> that's right. And we don't want them to, but it does hurt us, right? It hurts us because they think we can do it with less staff or less time or less money or whatever. So that's the first thing that I think is inherent in a support function like a meeting professional. We're not on stage. It's the, our CEO that's on stage. So we're, you know what I'm saying? So, so that's the first thing that we're just going to continue to have to really bring to light is, is how this is project management work. And it is multifaceted, super complex, requires a very high emotional intelligence to bring all these stakeholders together to get this, you know, matrix project done with under, with a time constraint and a budget constraint, you know? So I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is that when you have a very good project manager, a very good meeting professional that can do a Cvent Connect or an MPI WEC, you know, these marquee level things, you've got a right brain and left brain conflict or balance that has to happen. So you have the left brain need of getting the mechanics and the logistics done. And meanwhile, you have to force yourself to step over into right brain, really creative, complex problem solving, higher level thinking. Because that's the only way for us to elevate in our careers if we perception-wise can move from event expert to event strategist. You know, we're not going to move up if we just keep operating a heck of a meeting because that will top out. You know, we need to, if, if we're going to keep moving up, I know you may not want to move up. Maybe that is whoever's running that meeting, that's where she wants to finish. And that's fine too. That's all. And I like doing, you know, creative things daily and project management as part of your role. And that might be it. But if you are wondering why you can't get to VP from director, it is probably an issue with not being able to manage up effectively, speak to the C-suite, see the strategy behind the events instead of just the perfection of events or managing to budget. It's much more than that, right? It's living in the gray. It's all the thing that executives have to deal with. And that can be a very hard jump sometimes to go from director to VP. I just, you know, use that as kind of a bridge, but going from from doer to to really strategist, uh, that's a hard jump for folks in our industry if they're not paying attention to it and really um, flexing that muscle. And, and intentionally gathering the skills they need to make that leap. Yeah, it sounds like the biggest problem maybe is just going from doer to strategist. Um, but I want to ask you, what do you think is the biggest misconception out there that's related to women in the events industry? Well, I think, you know, women really are very, very good multitaskers. And that's probably why they tend to be better 
or more represented in our industry as far as on the planner side. I think that, you know, one of the misconceptions is they can't go to strategy or they can't be risk takers or, or there are more planners, so they can't even do sales. You know, we tend to get boxed in in our industry or frankly, that they're a planner so they could never be a supplier. You know, I'm never, or vice versa. I think we really have fallen into these two camps in our industry industry out of convenience. And it's, you're either a planner or a supplier, and it doesn't really do justice to the complexity of the work that we all do. And really the beauty of speaking to both sides of that, if you have a career, um, one thing I'm really, I really enjoy is having jobs on both sides of that because it just builds empathy. Um, when, you know, when you're on the, pl- you're on a planner side, and then you can jump over and now you work for a destination management company or you work for a CVB or you know, a DMO or even a hotel. Well, you have more empathy for your clients because you are in their seats. So it just kind of, you know, it just helps understand both sides. And then you can move back over to planner and you understand what drives profit margins with a venue and why, you know, hotel contracts look the way they do because you, you sat in that seat before. So I think it's just one of the misperceptions, I think, is that you get boxed in in one side or the other. I agree with that. I think, I think we, we often talk about, you know, the C-suite and taking our own seat at the boardroom table, that, that kind of mantra, but you kind of don't ever really get there unless you can speak the language, unless you know numbers, unless you educate yourself on um, all facets of business. And I, but I, I would say that, you know, for my personal opinion is that event planners are pretty close to CEOs. We work with every department most times. We manage, we manage budgets and, you know, we kind of work across like all different platforms and we multitask and the project management. Um, I think where some of the things you mentioned about being more strategic, taking risks uh, is probably where we need to get more, more educated um, or get more involved in what that actually means for us to take that next level. Absolutely. One thing you said really, I really, really like it. And we really do have to understand the business drivers of the companies we're working with. And if you own your own business, then you have to understand the business drivers of your clients. Because I remember one of my jobs, I was managing a team and one of my planners was sitting outside of the ballroom and just doing registration. I said, hey, go in, you know, the CEO is speaking. Let's go in and listen to the general session. And she said, no, that's, you know, I'm not interested in that, or that's just for the education team. And I thought, what a missed opportunity. You know, we're on the road all the time doing these these events with the senior level planners or senior level executives at our company. And my team is not interested in hearing what keeps them up at night. Then we are not going to be able to connect the dots of why my meetings matter to that corporation and why I need more budget and why getting people on the road all the time is going to move the needle. Um, But there's a missed opportunity. And I get the urgency of now. I do get how busy we can get as logisticians and somebody has to do the work. However, if you want to move up, you got to spend 10% of your time looking ahead, you know, and building that toolkit of knowledge. You kind of hinted at this a little bit earlier, and I think I might know the answer, but, you know, why do you think International Women's Day is so important? I remember having this conversation, you know, MPI is 80% women and I was having a conversation with on the board and about needing women's programming. And, uh, you know, they were like, Annette, you know, we're 80% women. All we do is women's programming. And I said, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Because when I had come from a, com- a company that was, was very male dominated, um, 
a couple jobs previous. And I saw it happen all the time. When you're in the boardroom of these companies that are not paying attention to diversity inclusion, and you see like in a co-ed meeting, you know, a woman's voice gets snuffed out and her ideas getting hijacked and her ideas getting, you know, her voice just getting quieted. And I would just, I had a little game I would play in these big co-ed meetings in this one company. And I would just put little pally marks to how many times women spoke up versus men. And so it is a really real issue for a lot of companies that women do not feel welcome or heard at these companies. Or a tally mark for when you say something, but a man says it a little louder and then that gets heard. Yeah. Or there's some mansplaining going on. Well, exactly. And it's, it's fascinating. It's not like these are bad men. It's just that it's a lack of awareness and the unconscious bias is, is in everyone. Everyone has it. It's the way the brain works. So, um, you know, I think that women's day and calling out women's issues is needed because there's still such a lack of, of belief that they exist, you know, like, haven't we gotten past this now? Women's rights, we, we handled that back in the 70s. And, you know, we know that there's just, there, there's still such a disparity. And again, until you've lived it, I, I think I had gotten pretty lucky most of my jobs in my career uh, with great women leaders and men leaders too, just always felt like my voice was heard until this one company. And I thought, oh, there it is. There it is. And I, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think you just have to fight the good fight. You know, if this is what I'm passionate about, and I raised my hand enough in these settings to say, hey, this needs to change because it was the hill I was going to die on. And, you know, we launched a lot of initiatives because I wouldn't give up on that. And I'm very proud of that. We launched MPI Women and we have women's curriculum and women leadership. And I just want, you know, people to find safe space to come and feel like they're valued and heard. And, and for me, it's about doing that for women in, in the hospitality and meetings industry. That makes total sense. You know, I, I, I know you're a pioneer and have been ranked as a change maker in the past. And um, I'm, I'm very curious for others because there, you know, there are a lot of champions for women in leadership in our industry, but I feel like sometimes we, we get lost in the, how do we do it part? <laughs> um, how do we empower? How do we elevate? Um, and I, I'm curious to see how kind of you've helped lift other women up, like any personal stories that you have. I've heard that you're very good at it in the, in the industry. And I, I just love to hear a little bit more about that. Oh, well, thanks for asking that. Um, yeah, so after the same layoff story, uh, within three months, I had launched a women's conference. So I realized that for me, so now I'm 50 at this time, I was early 40s. And and I realized, hey, there are a lot of women in their 40s that are going through some kind of, you know, life change, right? They're, maybe they're empty nesters now and they want to get back into the workforce. Or maybe they're going through a divorce or maybe they've gotten laid off and they don't feel as confident uh, as back in their 30s. And I thought, you know, I'm going to create this this space for uh, for us to come together. And I had been doing a lot of teaching. I've been teaching at San Diego State for 20 years in their meeting and event program. So a lot of my content from that is about just general professional development, a little bit about self-branding and powerful communication skills and work-life balance. And it tends to be mostly women that I teach to. So I already had this baseline of, of content and I launched a, a day and a half conference and I've had called Rise Up. And um, men are welcome, of course, but tends to be mostly women and, and really finding helping women find their voice and get their feet under them again after going through some times of self-doubt. So I've had three of those conferences. And then, you know, specific to my to our field, uh, our, our industry, I, I remember this one story. We had a board meeting and for MPI again, and we had one of our younger board members. She was new, probably her late 20s. And 
it was her first board meeting. And uh, I think she was on a one-year term. Uh, most of the terms are three years. Sometimes you get asked as one year because you're filling a gap. And she just, she was really, really quiet that first board meeting. And I pulled her aside and I said, look, you know, you have a voice. You were, you have gotten on this board for a reason. You know, we want to hear your voice and you have one of four shots, you know, to make we only have four board meetings a year. So, you know, you got, you've got to speak up and don't be afraid. And so I think that really helped her just feel like she had more to say than she thought she did. Yeah. More like empowering feedback and more constructive ways to, to elevate yourself. Absolutely. And so I, I just tend to do that um, for a lot of women that I feel like are holding back is just encourage them to, to find their voice because what they have to say is worth hearing. I think it's it's interesting because, you know, International Women's Day is very important, but every day should be a, a focus for that, for sure. <laughs> so Now, Nat, you mentioned earlier, too, like that men should be getting involved. But this is part of like my challenge is that I know I want to get involved. But like, how can men help women in leadership? Like, what can we do? Oh, it's great. And, and you know, I'm so glad you, again, asked that. This is not an in, indictment of men at all. You know, I've been married 22 years and I have a 20-year-old son. Like, I love men. <laughs> so it is more about awareness. What this is all about, any kind of diversity inclusion, is about awareness and really trying to understand what we might not be, what may not be visible to us doesn't mean it's not real to someone else. So just because the people I was trying to convince about needing women's-based curriculum, you know, it was a man and had never felt discrimination in the workplace, doesn't mean that discrimination in the workplace doesn't happen for others, you know? So what men can do and what everybody can do is really just become more self-aware of unconscious bias. And there's a lot of, there, there's two things. So that'd be my first suggestion is just under, learning what unconscious bias is and how the brain works and how the brain makes very quick split decisions and understanding what our own biases is uh, biases are. And there's a really good, um, Facebook has done a really nice video series that they've made. It, it, it was for um, employee training, but they've made it live to everybody. So if you just Google, you know, Facebook video series on bias, they do a really nice job and just breaking it down to like normal speak. So I think that's the first thing is everybody can just educate themselves on what their own biases may be, whether it comes to men, women, racial bias, you know, socioeconomic bias, we all have it. Um, and then secondly is just be the champion of someone that is on the fringe. So, you know, if you're in a setting and you hear uh, someone's voice not being heard, whether it's a woman or whether it's an introvert, you know, we're all type A's in this industry. So the poor, poor quiet people in their industry don't have a chance, you know, they just get <laughs> they get talked over all the time. So I think we can just all be champions of that that voice that's not getting heard. And like maybe you're in a meeting and it's just as easy as saying, hey, you know, I, I haven't heard um I haven't heard Rachel speak yet. Rachel, I'm curious about your views on this. You know, and it's just it's not that hard, but but we have to be intentional about it. Um, it's just making sure that we're all equally heard. I really love that a lot. And I just feel like um, just doing a small part is really going to make a huge difference from all points of view, seriously. Well, Annette, this is so awesome. I love having you on here. I have to go to my favorite question I ask all of our interviewees. Um, if you had to tell our event planners one thing to either do or you know be thinking about when it comes to inspiring the next generation of event planners, what would that one thing be? I am a big fan of giving freely, and it's really served me well my whole career. So whenever I've had connections that I could make for someone, 
You know, I just do that. I don't think about what's in it for me. I don't think about, hey, now this person owes me a favor. I just make a lot of connections. If I have, you know, information that I've found that is really useful or it's wrong, it's, it's reminding me of a conversation I've had with somebody the other day, I'm going to send that article over to them. doesn't mean I'm not going to think and I'm gonna, not going to follow up with them later and ask for something in return. I just feel like that, if that's a mantra of ours, like let's give freely. Um, of our time when I have, I do a lot of resume reviewing. I do a lot of 10 minute phone chats with people trying to get into the industry. And I just think that kind of benevolence, it just comes back to you tenfold. And that's a mentality that I think will get you really far in this industry. Got to get your events industry karma. Um, That's it. That is it. I love that advice. And, And I think that, you know, giving credit where credit's due is so important. We a lot of a lot of what event professionals do is a little bit thankless. So you're so right about elevating and kind of empowering that way. But giving freely is really important and and a great way to phrase it. So I'm I'm very uh I, I love talking to you today. It's been it's been really inspirational for me. Um, so I guess you are inspiring people and um, helping them live successful lives still as your personal brand throughout. <laughs> it's the perfect well, episode for Rachel so to be on. I think. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Rachel's a, a vet professional. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Now, Annette, uh, before we let you go, there, uh, you did mention earlier, like the Facebook series on bias. Like, are there any other resources or anything you'd like to promote with our listeners that maybe we can throw on our blog? Well, sure. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about uh, all of the offerings in MPI Academy. So we have a lot of, and, and, and many, many free offerings as well for uh, the community, but a lot of deep dives on especially women in leadership. Um, we have a session on become moving from event planner to event strategist. So we have all this content that I've been talking about today. We have a really robust library that's open to non-MPI members as well. So just check out the MPI Academy. That'd be my, my big plug. Awesome. So for our listeners, we'll go ahead and throw that in our blog. But um, Annette, this is such a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Annette. It's been an inspiration. Thanks for all you guys are doing too. Wow, what an incredible conversation with Annette. I have to say my favorite part was when she mentioned the quote, external circumstances do not dictate your inner worth. That's just such a powerful statement because, you know, I love the story of when she, you know, unfortunately got laid off, but she didn't let that really affect her. And she still went and made her own business cards and put her own personal mantra on there. It's really inspiring. So Rachel, how was that? It was your first interview. You know, what stood out to you? Oh my gosh, this was such a fun interview. Um, I agree with everything you said, Cody. I think personal brand is, uh, is so important. And the fact that she kind of rose up from the ashes, Phoenix style. I love that. Um, she was so passionate and uplifting. Um, I, I think we could all learn a lot from Annette. I definitely think we all forget to build each other up and empower each other daily in the industry. So definitely taking that is a takeaway for myself personally. Um, I, I definitely loved, as you guys could tell, the give freely portion and giving credit where credit is due, but also trying to help with some of the misconceptions in the industry, trying to rise above, speak the language, et cetera. So basically the entire podcast, uh, I was just thrilled with talking to Annette today. 
And, you know, here internally at CVENT, we're very excited for International Women's Day. We have such a fun um, and organized women in leadership group here at CVENT and doing a lot for our personal community here. And also externally, we have a, our women in leadership track at CVENT Connect, which I highly recommend um, you checking out if you want to head over to cventconnect.com for more details. And also to get more episodes and exclusive content, you can head on over to cvent.com slash podcast. That's right. And as always, we'd love to connect. So you can find us at podcast at cvent.com. Rachel, thank you so much for being my co-host this week. Um, it was a pleasure. Hope to have you on again. It was so much fun. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining and we'll see you next week for another great episode.